Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Kyle's Kitchen. Check them out. New crispy chicken sandwich, burgers, salads, really tasty fries. Check out their locations on Chapala Street, downtown Santa Barbara, Hollister Village, Cairo Real, and Isla Vista. Uh, Great burgers and salads. Real people, real food. Kyle's Kitchen. This episode also brought to you by a guy with a truck, junk removal. Hit up Chase at 805-689-1413 for a free, no-obligation quote. If you just need a truck to haul away anything, junk, a shed, a couch, appliances, anything, or just to help you move from one place to another, he can help you out. Hit up a guy with a truck, junk removal, 805-689-1413, and check him out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay, loaded pod this week, week five recap with the series with Cal State Fullerton. We've got head coach Andrew Checkets and UCSB Baseball Analytics. Gauchos hit the ball all over the yard this weekend uh, and split the series with Cal State Fullerton. So uh, we'll get to Coach Checkets, and then we'll hear from UCSB Analytics here on this week's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitching. Mitchell belts the deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? There's the 0-2 pitch. And a curveball is swung on him. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Big All right, my guest this week, Gaucho 9 Podcast, is head coach Andrew Checkets. It started off as a great weekend, turned into a, a disappointing weekend at the end, but there were a lot of good things. And the question that I want to lead with, and we talked about this on the season preview, was the four-game weekend series and how it's going to change the way it's coached and the way pitchers are brought in and out and just kind of the whole feel of a Sunday game where it's a little bit different, where guys are being tossed in who may not be ready or or are just forced into action because things, you know, guys got to play. Innings have to be pitched, and guys get dinged up, and et cetera, et cetera. So we're seeing it play out, and I think this week was the first week where Gauchos were good the first two games, and then Fullerton got the better of them in the second two games, and we saw a wild and crazy back-and-forth Sunday game where you know, you're in the back end of the bullpen, and anything can happen, and anything did happen. But what was your – thought process on the weekend just kind of on that theme of it's a four game series first conference series and how it played out yeah we I mean, we're, we've had experience with it because all of our weekends have been four game sets besides that first one well we're supposed to be four game sets um besides the first one the the usf one turned into a three game set because of weather but um so we've had some experience with it and um you know we've done some of that early uh in my time here, we had some, you know, weird early on from a scheduling perspective. Um, 
I'll go a little bit sideways on you, but you know, for us being on in the central coast, I think Cal Poly probably deals with the same thing more, more than we do. Um, but there's some distance between us and the teams that we play on midweeks. Um, and I, you know, I tri- traditionally try to schedule UCLA and Pepperdine and LMU er- early, like three or four years in advance, because they're the shortest bus trip for us. And it's the shortest trip for them. It's easier to get them to come back than it is to say, get a, we don't play the San Diego teams very often um, because of the, the travel. So anyways, early on in my career here, we played more four game sets because of that. We would try and schedule some double headers to try and get more home games. Um, and so we do have some, because of the, the midweeks being a little bit more challenging and, uh, not, and, and because of midweek scheduling sometimes being you know, three or four years out. So we had some of that experience early. Um, it's a new you know, knew a little bit of what we were getting into. And I think in the fall, feeling pretty good about where we're at pitching wise and pitching depth, that was something that, you know, we were, we, we weren't afraid of, we weren't afraid to play, you know, 36 innings on the weekend. Um, having seen it play out and I, I, I can't quite, I can't quite figure out exactly what it is, but our, you know, our ballparks played a lot smaller so far this year. Um, it's been, there's been a lot more offense to be had. Um, even on the other places that we've gone. So I, I, you know, I, I don't have any kind of conspiracy theory as to, you know, why that is, um, you know, like there were a few years ago in the major leagues with people saying the balls were around tighter, but the offense is up for sure. And if you look at the ERAs across the board in the conference, um, the ERAs are up. Uh, so I think that's probably, you know, a combination of four game sets, day games, um, you know, maybe weather patterns. I just, you know, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, last year in our first 15 games, we gave up one home run and this year through our first 15 games, we'd given up 23. Um, and we have the same pitching staff. And uh, so I, I think that there was something going on. Um, we do pitch North South a little bit. We pitch for the strikeout a, a little bit more. Um, but seeing the, the offense and even the offenses that we were playing, they appear to be, the guys are bigger and stronger and a year older. And there's a lot of, you know, that Santa Clara team was really mature um, and and old. And, you know, the offense has seemed across the board as I'm watching things unfold in the conference, the offense seems to be um, outperforming the pitching, um, you know, even with some that we haven't seen a lot out of Northridge and, and Long Beach yet because they just started conference play last week. Uh, Hawaii is a little bit skewed. They played all at home. That's traditionally a, a, a pitcher's ballpark. Um, but all the other teams, the, the ERAs are quite bloated. So um, having having seen how all of that's gone I would, and what I've noticed in the, these four game sets now, with it appearing that there's more offense, is that the pressure really is on the starter. Um, I think that's where you're – we've got larger travel rosters, so everybody's able to bring three more pitchers than um, than they would traditionally. So you, you have some more arms there now. You know, the experience of them, whether they're, you know, your top seven, you're throwing, you know, you're throwing your bottom seven a lot more. But what, what I've noticed and felt is the, that starting pitcher, you're trying to stretch him uh, as much as you can, especially on Friday. And we've seen that with some of the pitch counts uh, when we played Fullerton um, for our starters and their starters. Um, and then I, you know, you've seen that. I, I, I watched some of the uh, CSUN and, and uh, Cal Poly series this weekend. And, you know, they, uh, the guy that started the the third day for CSUN closed on Friday and the guy that closed for 
Cal Poly on uh, today's game, um, he was their Friday starter, or their number one starter. They started the series on Saturday, but their number one starter came back and closed. Um, we haven't gone to that extreme yet of having our starters close or or both that, but I can see the the temptation to do it um, and have kicked it around in my head. I just, um, you know, the only guy for us that's capable of doing something like that's, you know, McGreevy, and he's such a high-profile prospect draft-wise. It's really, really hard to go there um, with him, you know, in, in his draft year. So um, to, to have him start and relieve him the, the same weekend. So, uh, so you're seeing that um, and some of those, those starters hang out there a little bit longer and have to wear it uh you know a little bit more and um i, I tip the tip my cap to you know bybee on friday who you know got hit around and banged around a little bit but she looked up and he was still in the game in the seventh and it, it you know it hung in there and and kept them from needing to bring another arm in um and i you know i think that when that happens that sets you up even if you lose that game that that sets you up better for the rest of the weekend and and for that sunday game um, and then I, I think the other thing you're, um, I think the other thing that you're thinking when you're, you're making some of those decisions out of the bullpen is, you know, your, your relievers, your primary relievers, you know, they're not going to be able to throw, you know, two games on a Saturday they're, they're throwing once. So you're really trying to stretch that reliever. You know, we did that with Dan on the first game on, on, uh, Saturday where, you know, it was a tight game until we blew it open, but we brought Dan in. Um, and, you know, the conversations that Dylan and I were having were, you know, we, we don't want to use another arm because we've got another game right after this. Um, and you're not going to use Dan again in that game, but you're also trying to weigh in, gosh, we'd like to have him available on Sunday. So how do you balance that and go, you know, do we, if we get him out now, will we have him for an inning? Uh, or two on Sunday, if we ride him, or is he done for that day? We know he's done for the day before, but you know who are you gonna who are you gonna bring in in that situation? So, anyways, it's it's been the you know the chess matches um, or the chess moves. You know they're 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 really a little bit different, and you you have to really play it a little bit different. And um, you know I, I'm not knocking our guys. I like our guys. I like our our bullpen guys. Um, we have not thrown the ball like we anticipated, um, especially out of the bullpen. We had, we've lost our mojo a little bit down there, and um, when that creeps in, that's hard to get back. Some of that confidence and it it it, it spreads like a virus um, when in that lack of confidence creeps in there. And, um, so we're you know we're working we're working through that and trying to figure out how to get the right guys in there at the right time and. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to make those decisions when the guys perform the way you anticipate that they're going to perform um, and with some consistency. And again, I'm not trying to try to throw our guys under the bus or you know, take away any of the responsibility as a coach in regards to their performance. Um, but you throw that added extra layer of maybe not quite knowing what you're going to get um, out of your bullpen. It, it, it makes those decisions even, you know, more difficult. You're trying to get that hot hand in there. Um and so, you know, unfortunately, we're still sorting through that, uh, even entering conference play, as you saw this weekend. Well, you brought up Band, who pitched a couple times this weekend, and was great. And he got off to a slow start. And he was one of the guys that the Gauchos relied on last year. And he's a veteran, and the slow start was 
you know, it raised some questions and he's, he's put those questions aside because he's been great. And the other arm that was great out of the pen this weekend was Carter Benbrook. And I think he's had three, four appearances in a row where he's had three different situations as far as like mindset and build up to the, to the appearance. He started the restart and then he comes in and throws extended innings on Friday. And then he comes in with runners on base on Sunday and he's been great. So this was like the first weekend where relievers pitched in two games or throughout the weekend. And it was great to see Dan and Ben Brook bounce back on that Sunday and give the Gauchos a chance uh, on the mound when Fullerton was trying to punch back uh, when the Gauchos took the lead late in that game. So I, I didn't realize the, the home run statistic. That was kind of shocking when, when you mentioned that. I forgot that the Gouchers only allowed one last year. And it's amazing with this the whole year, the the layoff, the all the COVID stuff and the lack of practice time. I think that has something to do with the pitchers not being maybe up to the speed across you know, in the Gauchos case and across the country and across the conference, where just that that lack of competitive and that lack of buildup in the games and your normal routine, it's, I mean, it's only been 18 games. So who knows, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to replicate some of that stuff in a pitching tunnel or, you know, yeah. training. And um, so there is, there is some of that. And I think some of our guys, there's been a little bit of a, they've been a little shell shocked um, by getting harder, hit harder than maybe they had anticipated early. And um, the response to that has, has been to, you know, not throw as many strikes and not throw it over the, over the plate. And that's something that we've, we've got to work through and um, the guys will work through, but yeah, I, I agree with you with Ben Brook and Dan, um, you know, Ben Brook has looked like the, that fireman that we've been, we've been searching for a little bit. Um, you know, in hindsight, even Sunday, I think I got him out of the game too quickly. Some of that is, you know, we've been nicked up a little bit and um, trying to be cautious with those guys and, um, you know, frankly, as coach nervous, I just, we, you know, if we, we don't, we don't want to hurt our guys. We don't want guys to go down. And, um, so, you know, I would, I, Carter had thrown 40 pitches, you know, 40 plus on Friday. We didn't have him on the ready list on Saturday. Knew, knew we were going to go to him early on Sunday. We did. He didn't look quite as sharp as he did on Friday. I mean, I think he was, he was solid and Carter's super competitive and, you know, even with his BC game, you know, because of the competitiveness, he gives us a chance. Um, but, you know, he, he had missed, he had a chance to put, I think it was uh, Bobo, their, their left-handed hitter, um, he had a chance to put him away and they kept him one, two, and, um, you know, had three or four pitches, a chance to put him away and missed, missed pretty badly on him, arm side and up and not, you know, on the wrong side of the plate. And so I, you know, couldn't tell if that was just fatigue or over trying or, or what it was, but, you know, then they pinch it for the next guy. And um, it was with somebody who, who we had thrown fastballs by the first day and had, had a little bit, in my opinion, of a slower bat. Um, and I saw why they were bringing him in, you know, they were trying to take Carter's change up away from him and thinking maybe, you know, maybe that this guy's, that Carter's stuff would, would roll into his barrel a little bit more. Um, so I didn't really love that matchup. So we brought Harvey in, um, who who's a big fastball guy, and then they pinch hit their guy. 
that was, you know, more of a fastball hitter and struggled with breaking balls. Um, and he, he burned us, uh, there with the ball, the ball off the wall. Um, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020. You look back at it and go, man, I should just let Carter, you know, finish that inning. And maybe it changes the dynamics of the game. We're trying really hard not to use Dan. Um, again, some of that's just the health uh, side of things. We want to, you know, feel like we, we need to keep those guys healthy if we want to have a ch- shot at this thing and to make a run and as many guys as we can. And, and, uh, you know, he'd thrown 40 pitches the day before. So he had come to me, I didn't even have him on the ready list on Sunday and he'd come to me and said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I can go, I feel fine. Um, and he was really sharp on Sunday, you know, I mean, it was up to 96 and the great. velocity was there. Breaking ball was great. And so he's an older guy he's and you know, he's a grad student. And so when he comes to me and says, he's good, you know, I trust him. I trust that he's, he's good. And he's, he's going to be able to go out there and do that. But even with that being said, having not used Troy or Harvey uh, yet at that point, having Ben Brook, who had one more extra day of rest uh, underneath his belt, you know, we were trying to do everything we could to not use Dan um, at that point. And, um, and then once we lost the lead, you know, we felt like, you know, I'm not going to use him when we're down. If we score some runs and we get back into it, now's the time where we do it. And that happened. We scored the runs. We got him back out there. And, um, and he did a good job. He was on fumes that last inning and, and you know, did, did the best he could in that situation. And, um, you know, it might play out if we make that play on that bunt. You know, we get in, getting out, walk the bases loaded on the next one. Um, and, you know, maybe it, it plays out a little bit differently. But I thought he, he did a really nice job on the weekend. And, um, and again, you know, Carter's out, been outstanding. His numbers have been great. He's got almost two strikeouts an inning, and his walk totals have been down. And so he, he's done a nice job. He's, he's got that Bugs Bunny changeup uh, like Booney does. Go, let's flip over to the offense because Gaucho scored 30 runs this weekend. They banged out 23 extra base hits, including six home runs. And Brock Bortenson, uh, what a weekend. Three homers, nine RBIs. He had the game-tying homer in the ninth yesterday on Sunday. Uh, him and Castanon went back-to-back on Saturday in game one. And he was a presence at the plate. And quite frankly, the top the top half of the order were presences at the plate all weekend long. Cummings, Castanon, Mortensen, Rodriguez, Ledford. I mean, you felt like, at least from my perspective, if you felt like they were going to hit the ball every single at-bat. And I had a lot of confidence going into that at-bat in the ninth uh, with Brock down two yesterday, but uh, an offensive explosion, and it it was it was fun to watch. And uh, David and Spencer and I, we had a lot of fun watching all the metrics uh, bouncing all over the place and, and seeing results at the plate. Is it? Did it give you a lot of confidence as as a coach writing in those 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 five names when when they're knocking the ball all, all over the yard? Yeah, and I, you know, Coach Fontino and Coach Erdman have done a fantastic job with those guys. And, you know, I think, you know, you, you listen to the, you know, the preseason reviews and the offense was the question mark for us. And, and, and I mean, it, and frankly, it was for us in the fall. Our, you know, our pitchers dominated our hitters in the fall. Um, and so, you know, Coach Fontino will be the first one to tell you, and I'd agree with him that there were some concerns that we were going to be able to score some runs, especially, and you know, we'd struggled the year before. A little bit, and I, and I, you know, I, I had, I had tried to tell people, hey, you got to, you got to put an asterisk next to that. Where, one, we had faced some really good arms. We were really young last year. Played a, you know, a bunch of night games. 
played in a lot of cold weather at Oregon State. Um, and and so I thought we were better than our numbers last year. And, um, and that's, you know, it's kind of playing out where, you know, the we've, we've given up more runs, but we've, we've swung the bats a lot better. Um, but those guys, those guys, those first four guys, you know, in the lineup, I mean, that is a, that's a grind getting through them. And, you know, it's not like Fullerton doesn't have good arms. I mean, you know, they had guys that had velocity and our guys were doing a good job. And, um, you know, those four doubles in a row was, you know, on about five, five or six pitches was, was pretty impressive. And, and it can happen quick, you know, I mean, it can, those guys can turn it around. They can hit, they can hit it in the gap. They can take their hits. They can hit it over the fence. Um, they can get on base, you know, Cole's got a Cole and, and Marcos and Rodriguez have high on base percentages. Brock's got a little lower one. He, he swings for the fences a little bit more and swings and misses a little bit more. But, um, you know, those, those four guys are all, have all been really good. And, you know, Rodriguez and Mortensen, they, you know, their first years in division one baseball, how they, they're hitting in three, four hole, uh, on a good offense and a good team and, and their threats, they're, they're, they're real threats. So, um, but I think I think you know all those guys are tough to pitch to. I'll tell you, you know Rodriguez is he's really tough to pitch to. He's got a tiny little window where you better you better throw the ball, and if you don't throw it there, you know he's got a chance to hit it. And um, you're seeing that with hit by pitch numbers. He's been hit eight times so far this year. Um, guys trying to come in and missing, and um, so yeah, those those guys really did a nice job. And Brock obviously had the he was a Big West Conference player that player of the week and um hit three homers and um he's got it's an it's an inter, it's interesting seeing the trajectory of the balls coming off his back because it never looks you know, it's not like an austin bush homer where right it looks when it comes off the bat you're like yeah that's gone and that's gonna go 500 feet um it's just got this loft to it and he kind of scoops it out and it goes up and you go i think it's gonna go out i, I, I think that, that maybe it'll go out and then it's out by 30 feet um because he's so strong so um but yeah he's 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 been good and i you know i think caesar's a good place for him to hit that absolutely is and it was a good place to hit this weekend goodwin field to it it felt like it played small at times but at at times it really opened up Uh, traditionally it plays deep to center field and and it did prove that but Gotchas were able to put the ball over the fence uh, in right field, and and that, that kept him in it uh, on Sunday. It was a thrilling moment, quite frankly, uh, the, the Mortensen homer. Um, let's get to the big elephant in the, the car, since you're in your car right now. But 300 wins as head coach, all of them here at UC Santa Barbara. And I, I'm not the first to congratulate you, but I want to congratulate you. I want to say that I have been there for three, all 300, but I haven't. I think I've missed like 10 or 12, and they were all in the 2014 season. So I'm right behind you. I'm right behind <laughs> you. But <laughs> um, Let me know what your total is, and we'll, we'll make sure we make, we make an Instagram pick for you when you get to 300. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but did you have it like – where do, you, where do you keep all your wins? Do you have like a chest or do you keep like a whiteboard with like a check mark? Or um, is there like a bag of Mike and Ike's with a, with a dash on each one? Like where do you keep all your wins? 
That's a good idea. I should do. I should do that. But they, they, I'd eat them all. So there's no, <laughs> no shot for those that hang around. Wikipedia does it for you. So um, I wasn't aware of it until last week. One of our, one of our fans, uh, friends, actually texted me, kind of a cryptic message about, you know, hey, so I don't remember what it was. Three hundred. Good luck this weekend. Three hundred will come when it comes. I went. I, I didn't quite know what he was talking about, so I had to go to Wikipedia to to look it up and then I forgot about it until after the game and um you know Jason we, our our kids are great I mean they just we got we've got a, an aware group we've got a you know an older group we've got a some guys that have you know been been through it and um some really you know unique relationships but Jason Willow is one of those 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 type of kids and he he actually brought it up after the game and gave me the game ball in front of the team which was really cool and and sweet and I, he handed it to me, and I didn't know what it was for at the moment. <laughs> like, what the I, heck are you doing? I thought I, thought I called a good game um, <laughs> when McGreevy was was throwing the, for a while. So I, I thought maybe that's why he was giving it to me. They give it out to the to the player of the game. The players do that after the coaches leave. So um, anyway, I think that was as that was the coolest part about it is that we had a we had a player or two that were aware and made a point of it. And that was, that part of it was special. And so, and ultimately all this stuff, um, you know, all those ways, you got to have good players, you know, and you've got to have good assistants that help find those players and help coach them. And, and so it's, I don't want to sound like, a, you know, a false sense of humility. I really believe that I, you know, I recognize that I'm a much better coach when we have good players um, and that my drills and that my practices and, it's easier to manage a game when your players can go out and execute uh, what you're trying to do. And so we've had, a, we've had a lot of really good ones uh, the last, the last 10 years that we've been here. And, you know, a lot of coaches have worked hard to bring those guys in. It's not a, it's not a one person show. And then a lot of people supporting them like yourself, Kevin, and, and all the people behind the scenes. So, um, you know, all, all those wins are special. And, um, but you know, the people that are behind them, it's, it's, it really, it really takes a village to, to do all of that. You just, you cannot do it on your own. And it seems kind of silly that all those check marks are next to my name when there's a lot of people that have, have contributed to them. I haven't thrown a single pitch um, or swung a, the bat once during any of those wins. You've probably wanted to though. I'll tell you, I wanted to throw on Sunday, but <laughs> <laughs> Can you pick out? Can you pick out three? Because I I can pick out three of the of the wins that are most memorable to me, and I'm I'm curious if they match up with yours off the top of your head. Um, there's been a lot of them that are that that are pretty special, but the the obvious ones are you know Sam Cohen hitting Homer um, at Louisville. I mean that one's. I don't know how you replicate that ever in, it's a, in a career. Yeah. Um, you know, even just to build up to it. And if you, know, if we somewhere down the line, we go to Omaha, you know, seven times in a row, you'll probably have some pretty magical moments uh, to get to that point. But I mean, just for the program to get there for the first time in that way was, was, was really special. Um, the first win in Omaha, you know, program history, that one was, that one was really special um, beating Miami and knocking them out and, um, you know, walking out of that tunnel and having people, you know, 
singing ole 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 and that part of and the, the the fans that were there that 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 one was really really special and then the big west win um when booney you know punched out 13 and we have a chance to to win so those those are the obvious ones there's some other ones in there that are you know you know pretty special and uh as well but maybe maybe not as obvious okay uh, we were on the same we were on the same wavelength so that's good. If we've been working together for 10 years, I'm glad we can at least be on the same wavelength <laughs> on that regard. So good job. <laughs> We're usually pretty close, Kevin. You keep, you, you keep me in my lane. <laughs> I, I do my best. I do my best. The other, the other one that I was thinking of was the, the first regional win in 2013 uh, against Texas A&M at Oregon State. That was the other one that I was thinking of. Where Clark yeah, that, that, that's in front of the dugout, like had had to dive forward on a pop up, and Dylan Heck saved the game with Jackson Morrow behind the dish. Like that one was pretty cool, and it was at Oregon State, uh, your alma mater. So that was the other one that I was thinking of. Yeah, that whole weekend, even though we didn't win it, that one was pretty special. Getting there, and then you know, I thought our guys represented us well. We didn't we didn't win the whole thing, but we were we were in every game and 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 played well and felt like. But that, yeah, that particular game, Austin Pettibone throwing the ball foot off the plate for about two hours and getting those strikes. For <laughs> I, think, I, think we just called, I think we called extended fastball about 80 times in that, uh, that, that start. So it felt like, who was that? Uh, uh, Hernandez's start for the Marlins years ago. So oh, right. Go back and watch it. <laughs> go back and watch it and go. I was gonna text Austin, awesome, and he texts me a bunch still. So I, I I haven't asked him yet, but I should text him, ask him if he actually threw anything over the white that game. So he went like eight, seven or eight, and punched out some guys and gave up a run or two. So that's great. Well, I appreciate the trip down memory lane, and congratulations on three hundred. And uh, it's time to get back to work, Davis. This weekend. Uh, 36 more games in, in the big West and, um, couches, couches are rolling and they're, I mean, I, I, baseball, I'm just, I'm just so stoked that we're playing baseball and that we've surpassed the game total from last year and, and we're off and running. So, um, it's been fun. Yeah. To yeah. Knock on, absolutely. Knock on wood. You know, our, our guys have done a good job with the social contract and the COVID protocols and all that stuff. And you know, hopefully we'll be able to continue to do that and, be, be virus free and be able to continue to play and go out there. And so we've, we've, the results haven't been exactly what we would like up to this point. Um, but, you know, we're, we're working through that and other guys are working through that. And it's not for a lack of effort. So we're going to work on the execution and try and be better and feel like we're, feel like we're close. We've had some moments where it feels like we've turned the corner and then, you know, digressed a little bit, but um, it, it feels like we're, we're, we are we are close there. Okay. Let's have a good week of practice and uh, see the gouches on the field on Friday against Davis. Coach Shaggitz, thank you. Thanks, Cap. All right, UCSB Analytics is here. We're going to recap the weekend series with Cal State Fullerton. Gaucho's splitting with the Titans. It was a weekend that got off to a great start and unfortunately finished on the wrong end. And well, it is 
a different scenario based, you know, considering the past with three game series where on Sunday, if both teams split, you're playing for the series. Or if one team wins both, someone's trying to salvage and someone's trying to sweep. So with the four games, it's a little bit different where if it's a two and one on Sunday, someone's trying to salvage a tie or a two and two, and someone's trying to go three and one and win the weekend. In this case, Gauchos were very strong on Friday and in game one on Saturday. Very strong. And then Landon Anderson shuts them down on game three. And then it was a wild finish and a wild game on Sunday. And it kind of feels like a series loss, which is which is upsetting. But it's something that we're going to have to get used to moving forward. And it's something that the Gouchers are going to have to adapt to. So David and Spencer, there were a lot of great things this weekend, especially on the offensive side of the baseball. So before we get into our players of the week, moments of the week, I just want to hear your thoughts real fast on how the weekend went. Cause I think many of us came home thinking we're disappointed with the result of the weekend. Um, but I'm trying to stay positive. I'm always trying to stay positive. So I think there's a lot of good things. So, uh, what do you think, David? What do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm with you on the kind of the disappointment of the final results of the weekend, but, um, in terms of positives, the offense was, uh, pretty incredible this weekend. I mean, lots of extra base hits, lots of home runs, um, lots of loud contact. Uh, the barrels were hot as T as uh, CT likes to say. Um, but, uh, Aside from that, you know, we just want to continue that going into next week and keep the offense alive and hope that we get everything figured out in the final results column. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, a lot of the at-bats that we had were not wasted. Um, I think if you, if you were to look at them, if they were quality at-bats in terms of the amount of pitches that we saw in each at-bat, the amount of hard-hit balls that we had in the at-bats, or just in terms of the team at-bats we had. I think that uh, in one way or another, everyone played a really significant part in the series, whether it was um, in those first two wins or in that crazy, crazy game four loss. Uh, offense just was so much fun to watch. Uh, a lot of really good things coming from it, and it was nice to see them gelling throughout the weekend. Yeah, you felt like the Gauchos were always in it, even on game two of Saturday going into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, ninth innings down four, one, you felt, all right, something could happen here. Something could happen here. And then on Sunday going into the ninth inning down two, you thought, man, something could happen here. Like I felt really good with Brock at the plate. I felt really good. And he goes and hits the home run and Travis Rogers, who was on the broadcast on Sunday, we were, we were discussing this agnosium, about the difference between the three-game series and a four-game series, especially in conference play. And it's the fact that it's going to force the coaching staff to put players in who maybe aren't ready or are struggling just because you need to fill innings. Guys get dinged up and maybe have to be taken out of the game on the offensive side, on the defensive side. And it's really going to, in a, a positive light, it will – force guys to try and execute and get in and and showcase what they have learned so far 
uh, in their young college careers, uh, maybe before they're expected. And that's something that's I think will be beneficial in the long run. But in the short term, we may have to struggle through a few things. But this team is resilient. We've seen it through the first four or five weeks. And I think there's lots of good things moving forward. So Gaucho's two and two in the Big West to start. And again, 36 more games to play. It's a long Big West season. And they're you know right at the top of the heap. Irvine did sweep their series against Davis, so they're at 4-0. Cal Poly, Hawaii, Bakersfield all went 3-1 this weekend against Riverside, Northridge, and Long Beach. And UC San Diego had a bye week. They did not play at all. So next week against UC Davis, that's the Gauchos' next opponent at home before they go travel to Hawaii for a tough series with the Rainbow Warriors. Let's get into the categories because – as we mentioned, lots of cool things. And let's just let's put it out there. Before we select our players of the week, the player of the week is the Big West Offensive Player of the Week, Brock Mortensen. Not just for the home run that he hit yesterday in the top of the ninth, down by two to tie the game, but really overall a spectacular weekend. He hit 500. He was eight for 16, three doubles, three homers, nine RBIs. That's good for a uh, 1,250 slugging percentage. That's not bad. Uh, what do you guys think of Brock's at-bats, especially like sitting there in the ninth inning yesterday with him up? Like, Did you guys, did you guys have the same feeling I had? Like, I like where we're at right now. David? Yeah, I mean, coming into the ninth inning, we had the top of the lineup coming up. So we had you know Cole Cummings leading off, who's been tearing it up all year. We've been talking about him week after week. Uh, Marcos, who just missed the ball that he hit out to center field in his at-bat as well, could have been him in that moment. And then with Brock coming up there, you always feel confident that he has, you know, that potential for one swing to change the game. So um, nothing but praise for Brock in the weekend that he had. He's uh, definitely leading the Gaucho offense, um, along with a lot of other uh, individual performances that were pretty good as well. I I initially wasn't I mean anytime you're down you can't feel comfortable or you can't you know expect that like everything's going to go well um I like when we have more runs than the other team that's a really good feeling but when Brock steps up at the plate you know I was sitting there with Tilly I was I was taking some pictures and and uh in that moment I kind of I looked up and and you could see in straightaway center field the wind kind of shifted from blowing straight out to blowing out towards right field. And it was one of those kind of eerie moments where you're like, okay, something's, something's happening here. And then when you, when he hit it, it was hit so high that it, it kind of looked like a fly ball off the bat. And, you know, the right fielder, um, he was kind of drifting and it looked like he would, he was kind of settling under it. And then he just kept drifting and drifting and drifting. And then before you know it, he's at the warning track and uh, he's watching the ball hit the net. So, um, really cool moment but just in general he he hit the ball hard all weekend i'm looking at the uh, exit velo leaderboard and his name's just peppered in there whether it's a single a double a home a home run or even if it's a line out like he's just he was connecting and um guy he knows how to put the barrel on the ball gotcha's hit 313 as a team this weekend they scored 30 runs in the four games and hit six home runs Slug 560 in total in the four games. They had 
23 extra base hits, seven on Friday, seven in game one on Saturday, and nine yesterday. And lots of good things happen when you hit the ball in the gap and when you hit the ball over the fence. 17 doubles for the Gauchos this weekend. 17. So offense got the job done. Let's get to our players of the week other than Brock Mortensen. Let's start with David. Uh, I'm going to go with Cole Cummings. Um, arguably, uh, you could have said that he had maybe a better week. He ended up hitting 529 uh, to Brock's 500, uh, going 9 for 17 at the plate. He had three doubles as well. No no balls left the yard for him, but he slugged 706 and also reached base uh, 579 for the on-base percentage. So. Uh, he was going to base a ton, and with Brock getting behind him, he ended up scoring seven runs for us this weekend. So, I mean, great offensive performance again from Cole, uh, keeping that streak going of 18 games now that he's reached base. Okay, I'm going to jump in and go with Steele Ledford. Steele came alive. Sneaky hit 400. <laughs> the sneaky pop, as we mentioned on uh, over the weekend, hit 400. Three doubles, a triple, a homer. It was a grand slam, which sealed the deal in game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. Six RBIs. He slugged 933. And just hard hard to pick a, a player of the week this week, at least on the offensive side uh, of the baseball. So uh, Steele's my guy, especially with a grand slam, first career dinger. So good for you, Steele. Spencer? Um great pick both you guys uh i mean hard to argue with those two um i was kind of thinking you know marcos would be my pick because uh his average exit velo this week was over 100 and he had mentioned it to me he goes dude i don't think i hit a ball under 100 miles an hour all weekend and when you're (laughs) when you have that kind of confidence in in retrospect you just in your head everything's going well and when you're up at the plate you know you can do some damage um so he's my kind of he's my honorable mention but I'm going to go with Michael McGreevy because he got the win in Coach Chegitz's 300th win. Checks, congratulations. Um, you know, incredible stuff. But McGreevy uh, got 10 strikeouts in that game. And, uh, you know, when you're tasked with, oh, Checks is sitting at 299 and you're the guy who's being called, I don't think uh, Greevy shied away from that whatsoever um he looked real good he went six and third um you know he probably got touched up a little bit more than he would have liked to but um i thought that late in the game when he was up over 110 pitches was when he was at his best um and he was he was confident up there so he gets his third win and um that ties him for the conference lead and wins so um hopefully next week he's he's taking the lead in that category but for now it was uh it was a performance that uh, I wanted to note. Yeah, McGreevy, 10 strikeouts. And the last five outs that we recorded were strikeouts, I think. At least he had, he had two in the in the uh, fifth. He struck out the side in the sixth and then got the first out, which is not a K in the seventh. But basically the last five outs were strikeouts, basically. Uh, and then ran into trouble in the second inning. Had to, you know, work with the ball not bouncing his way and was able to get out of the inning and then shut down the Titans moving forward because uh, the Gauchos were trailing at that point, letting the offense do their thing and come back into the game. So 
yeah, McGreevy uh, was solid on, on Saturday. David, do you have something to add? Uh, I don't want to steal. I don't know if it's, it was going to be someone's moment, but I think he did strike out the last guy in the, uh, okay. in the seventh. His last okay. Good. So the last uh, six batters, right? The last six batters of his outing. So good for you, Michael McGreevy. Okay, moments of the week. Uh, there are a lot to sift through. David, you want to kick us off? Oh, man. Lots of offensive moments. Um, the moment that this has been resonating in my head since game one was Bryce Willett's at bat against uh, Bybee. Um, big at bat that ended up kind of knocking him out of the game um, and allowing the Gauchos to kind of blow things open late. Uh, 13 pitches in the at bat. He started out uh, down 0 2 off two foul balls, which was the trend in that at-bat itself because he had nine foul balls, not one called strike in the at-bat. And he ended the at-bat with 102 or 103, sorry, mile an hour uh, exit velo single into right field. So uh, huge at-bat in that game. Um, Definitely that's going to be my moment for the week. Yeah, Bryce, he he is consistently putting together big league type at-bats. Even if he doesn't get a hit, like he's understanding the situation. He's seeing a lot of pitches. He's tough with two strikes and he hit his first homer of the weekend. So, and that was after that was after he popped up on the first pitch with the bases loaded in his previous at bat. And then he comes and hits the homer. So good for you, Bryce Willits, uh, Spencer Stewart. You got a moment of the week. Uh, I do. My moment of the week is the, is the bottom of the seventh. It's, it's an inning of the week. It was the bottom of the seventh, or I guess the seventh inning in, uh, well, it was the top and the, and the bottom, but we, we take the lead in game one of the, um, first game of the doubleheader, uh, after tying it, well, we tied it up in the fifth and then the seventh, we score the first run after, uh, Cummings doubled the left and Brock singled it to right, scoring Cole. That next inning, Greavy goes out again, and he's over the 100-pitch mark. And it's a leadoff walk to Lou, um, who put together a bunch of really good at-bats all weekend for Fullerton. Um, And Lou, Greavy's going to argue that the slider that he threw on the 3-2 count was a strike, but uh, Trackman says no, unfortunately. (laughs) But... In that next at bat, he uh, he was thrown against Caden Connor, who I think was one of the uh, the highlights of the Fullerton offense. Um, he was trouble for the Gauchos. Yeah, he 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 hit really well, but uh, Greavy got him striking out looking, and then uh, Connor Dan came in and he um, he got a strikeout looking and then a strikeout swinging against Shell and Velos. They're three and four hitters. Um, so in that moment, I think that. Uh, the, the, the tightness of the game kind of switched because you're throwing up a bagel um, after taking the lead. And then in the next two innings, the Gauchos score six unanswered. So um, I think that that was, uh, was a huge moment because, you know, had, had a leadoff walk kind of blown up like it sometimes does. Um, we might not have been able to, to take that game as handedly. Good pick. I, I thought you were going a, nif- a different direction when you said bottom of the seventh. So that's why I was I was motioning to you. Oh, it was in the top of the seventh because I'm going to take this one. Top of the seventh yesterday, tie game, four four, 
and Willow pinch hit double, Cummings RBI double, Castanon RBI double, Mortensen RBI double. Four consecutive doubles. I, I, I want to say it was like within like, I don't know, 10 or 12 pitches. It was just like boom, 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 boom. Gaucho scored three runs. Uh, so that's that's my moment of the week. I think whenever you can hit something like that, I mean, it's like four home runs in a row, essentially. I mean, four doubles in a row, including a pinch hit. You yeah. got to highlight that. So that's my moment of the week. Uh, I thought the Gauchos were going to take it home, but when that happened, I was feeling good. But uh, four straight doubles, so that was pretty sick. Honorable mentions, David, unless, David, you got something to add? Uh, I have an honorable mention, but Before. we'll see if, if you get them all. Oh. You, want me, you, to, you want me to list We'll see who's got, the, who's got the better memory, better memory here. Okay. Honorable mention, uh, Cole Cummings yesterday, the diving stop at third and throwing home to get the, the go-ahead run. That was huge at the moment. Uh, <laughs> what was the other ones? Um, Connor Dan and Carter Benbrook pitching on back-to-back days. I thought those were, like, with four-game series, the bullpen is probably going to be stretched and need guys to step up. And Connor Dan, I think he has turned his season around. He got off to a slow start. He has been really sharp the last few weeks. And Carter Benbrook has been very sharp the last couple weeks. He was our guest uh, before the game on Saturday. And we talked about it. We, like his last three appearances have been three different situations. He started the restart against USF and went four innings. Then he comes in in long relief on Friday and throws three shutout innings. And then he comes in late on Sunday with runners on base and he gets two fielders choices and two outs. And all three of those are different situations, and he was pitching on back-to-back days. So those are my honorable mentions. I bet I missed one, the one that you were going to say, David. So what is it? It uh, it happened in the first inning on game two. I don't know how you could forget. They were back-to-back. back-to-back. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the back-to-back home runs by Marcos and Brock in game one uh, as well. That was, that was big. Um get us off off to an early lead uh, for check it's 300th win as we've talked about and kind of letting Mike McGreevy go out there and pitch with a little bit of ease knowing he's got uh, some support already okay some other honorable mention just performances of the weekend uh, Zach Rodriguez was six for 16 375 average two doubles and four RBIs Castanon hit 400 as we said three doubles a homer and six RBIs Cummings, Mortensen, Ledford, and Casson all had three doubles each on the weekend. And then Zach Tora on Friday, five innings, six strikeouts. He earned the win. He uh, only allowed one run on six hits. So tip of the cap to Zach Tora to go with Dan and Benbrook and McGreevy, uh, who are rock solid. And Corey Lewis, who went six innings, allowed no earned runs. Struck out four uh, in a gritty performance in game two on Saturday. So those are our honorable mentions. Let's get to some metrics. Lots of hitting metrics. Lots of 100-plus exit velos. And uh, and a 96 that we saw this weekend. So what do we got? 
I was going to say, let me start so I can uh, yeah. get out of the way for Tilly to come through with all the offensive stuff. A couple of, couple of things I want to highlight. Um, as you said, Connor Dand, he, he looked great, and he's definitely in control when he's up there, um, which is it's great to see because he's pitching with a lot of confidence. And whether it's a PFP that he's making a barehanded stop on or it's getting a couple strikeouts, um, he's looking good, and he hit his first 96. It was a 96.001. So he got over the mark, and it's a true 96, and that's just cheddar. So uh, good stuff, Dandy. Um, wait, he's he's been working hard to get after that. The uh, the one that the the metric it was similar to last week. Carter Benbrook's uh, changeup. He threw it 21 times, and it was a strike 18 times. It was swung and missed 11 times, and four times it was called for a strike for a 72 percent um, called strike plus whiff percent. It's it's hard to hit, and hitters are having a really tough time at it. Um, and he was throwing it with a lot of confidence in that first game, as you said. It was kind of a, a long relief appearance as Tora left after um, five innings, and then uh, Benbrook comes in for three and uh, absolutely dominates with a near 70% strike percentage um, and getting up to 88.6. So he's doing it. Um, he's mixing well. And he's fooling guys with the changeup. Dave. All right. So I guess we'll start it off with uh, just the number of hard hit balls on the weekend by the Gauchos. Uh, 46 balls in play over 95 miles an hour this weekend. So lots of hard, hard contact. 20 that's, of those were over. That's above average, now. right? That's above that average. Is, that well is above average. Number 40 something. <laughs> 46 over 95, 20 over 100 miles an hour, and uh, Marcos capping it off at 108.4 miles an hour. Of course, though, Kevin, as I've said before, the hardest one is always a line an out. out. It's an out. <laughs> so uh, I think it was on the line drive to the third baseman playing the hot corner. Uh, yes, he smashed that one at it, 108.4 miles an hour. So. Uh, good to see him up there. Um, home run metrics, uh, just going in order here. Marcos and Brock's back-to-back home runs. Marcos was 105 exit velo. Ended up going 385 feet with a 22-degree launch angle. Uh, Brock's was 92.9 with a 27-degree launch angle for 350 feet. Um, and then Bryce's also in that game, uh, 96.6 at 390 feet. Uh, and then Steele's Grand Slam was a 95.6 exit filo at a 39-degree launch angle uh, for 343 feet, according to TrackMan, which I, didn't, I can't remember what the dimensions of the field are, but I was a little skeptical that uh, that was 100%. It sounds like it just scraped over the fence. It definitely did not scrape over so the fence. So we'll, we'll get to one other question I have in a second here because Brock hit two on Sunday, and so the first one was 101.3. Uh, 27.9 degree launch angle for 366 feet, which uh, was not to be forgotten for his last home run, which TrackMan actually ended up not handling the moment and didn't pick up the exit <laughs> velo or the distance on that home was run. Hit, it, was hit, it was just hit straight to the moon. So, That's why. Uh, it went straight up. TrackMan had a rough weekend. I know it got hit once or twice by some foul balls there because it was in the field of play. Kind of interesting setup there at Fullerton with that. But, uh, again, lots of hard contact, lots of home runs, lots of extra base hits for the Gouches this week, which is exciting to see. Um, 
just some other things to mention really quick too. Uh, six gauchos right now hitting over 300 through week uh, five on the season, which is good. Great to see. Uh, already said it. Cole Cummings continuing his on base streak, and then Marcos uh, nine game hitting streak now, and then Zach Rodriguez on a seven game hitting streak. So um, lots of good stuff there. Uh, and then one other thing, which you know is just constantly talked about, is uh, Zach Rodriguez and his hit by pitches. Now yep. we got eight on the season, I believe it is. Uh, did a little bit of calculations. He hasn't played in all of the games. He wasn't uh, in the lineup for the first couple of games. But uh, right now with the games remaining, if he stays on this streak, he'll end up getting hit by 30 pitches this year, which I don't know if he wants or doesn't want. Um, we love the doses for sure. But uh, in 53 games, if he played the rest of them, he would get hit 30 times if this continued. And I looked it up, and you can confirm this. I think you were mentioning it, but uh, the record for UCSB in the season is 24. 24 so 20... by Andrew Kalika. Yeah, and that was in 2016. And then the NCAA record, which I looked up as well, was in 2010. Yeah, 36, 7? 37. I had 36. So maybe we're looking oh. at a different website. But anyway, so he'll be in that territory come the end of the year if we, if we keep this up. So it would be kind of fun to watch and see uh where he ends up with that and obviously we hope he just stays healthy if he's going to keep wearing them the best part about rodriguez was i mentioned that to him before the first game on saturday about where he was and he gets hit in two of his first three plate appearances so it was like okay he gets it we're we're keeping right on pace and then so marco's nine game hitting streak he has also had a hit in 17 of the 18 games which is getting it done Okay, let's look forward to the weekend series against Davis. Time change as far as start time. Friday will be at 5 o'clock, first pitch, and then the doubleheader on Saturday will start at 1. Sunday will start at 1 per usual. Uh, UC Davis, they are struggling, 5-13. and 13. They were swept by Irvine, Irvine this week, and they only scored seven runs in those four games. They split with Pepperdine. They won a series at home against Portland. And as you mentioned to me last night, David, they have not played any games on the road. So this will be their first road series. And they do not have lights at Dobbins Stadium, so it'll be their first night games as well. But they are struggling. Hitting 229 as a team, and their team area is 5.37. So Gauchos look to continue the trend on the offensive side of things. And then on the pitching side, I think you stick with the, the starters who have been good and eliminate walks and Gauchos will be okay. Uh, what do you guys see from, from UC Davis? Usually they got a good arm and, and some hitters that get it done. They did have a guy, Tanner Murray, who raked the last few years. He has moved on. He was drafted last year. But Davis uh, usually... They come to play, too. It's not like they're just rolling over. They come and play hard. And Gaucho's got to have their wits about them. But we got, what do you guys got on Davis? Uh, Michael Campagna. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but the kid's hitting the ball hard. So uh, we're, we, we'll probably be saying his name a lot this weekend. Uh, he's a true freshman out of San Diego. And uh, he's, he's right up there with Marcos and Cole in some of the leaderboards um, for the Big West offensive categories. He's got six doubles three homers he's slugging 642 um and it looks like he's uh 
played in all but two of their games. So um, probably he was, my guess is that he wasn't starting the first couple. And then they said, well, Hey, this, you know, let's give him a start this weekend. And then he's uh, he just probably took off. So uh, look out for him. I think he's going to, he's going to be good, but it, it seems like they got a, a bunch of guys that can do the job in terms of um, guys who step up uh, Kyler Arenado and uh, Jalen Smith. Those two guys have uh, both come up clutch for Davis in the last couple of games, but, as you said, they're coming off of uh, they're coming off getting swept, and not only that, they lost an extra innings. So, they're they're going to come for blood, just as uh, just as the Gauchos are. Yeah, and on the pitching side, there's a couple of good starters for them as well. Um, I might mispronounce the name, so I was glad you took uh, that one there. But Jake Spillane, <laughs> I believe, will be one of their starting pitchers, and then also. Um, Zach Carell, I believe is his name, uh, will be another one of their starting pitchers. Both those guys have had some good outings this year. They've pitched all five weekends and starting roles for uh, the Aggies. And so um, it'll be good, uh, a good test for the Gauchos again and for the offense to see if we can continue our hot streak. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Okay. That'll wrap up our week five wrap up with the series with Fullerton. Lots of good things to build on. This team is 11-7. and seven. It, It's still a young season. 2-2 two and two in the Big West as we get set for Davis. 5 o'clock on Friday. That'll be on uh, Big West TV slash ESPN3. Not 100% sure, but it should be ESPN3 with Jerry Fall and Bob Bronsima. And Spencer and I will be back on the audio only on UCSBGouchos.com. So tune in for those this coming Friday at 5 o'clock. So that'll do it for us, David and Spencer. Thank you as always. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Kev. All right, thank you to our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen and a guy with a truck, Junk Removal. Uh, thank you to Coach Checkets for his time. It's a, a busy life being a head coach believe me. And then thank you to Santa Barbara Baseball Analytics, David and Spencer, always putting in great work. It was nice to have them on the road. They weren't slated to join us on the road, but got late clearance, and it was nice to have them. Uh, It felt like the normal operation uh, for home games, and that's a big thing in the operations world of college baseball. So that'll do it for this week's pod. Gauchos have UC Davis this weekend, a four-game set. At home, note the time change for Friday and Saturday's games. 5 o'clock first pitch on Friday night, and then 1 o'clock first pitch for the doubleheader on Saturday. You can catch those games with Fall Productions on Big West TV slash ESPN3 and online UCSBGouches.com with myself and Spencer Stewart on the audio only. So please enjoy your week. It's springtime. Baseball is in full swing. Uh, Each week just keeps getting better and better. So please go out and have a great week, and we'll see you on Friday. Friday.